0: Hello everyone, it's Anthony Chadwick from the webinar VET with another episode of VET Chat. I do apologize today, I do have a bit of a cough, so if I do start wheezing then please uh, accept my apologies. But I'm really excited to have Lauren on. Lauren is one of my LinkedIn friends. Uh, We met on LinkedIn and we've been chatting ever since. Lauren is a vet, an American vet who qualified from Madrid and has got a real interest in alternative proteins for pet foods Um, so we're going to be talking about that today but before we launch into that topic Lauren tell us a little bit about how does an American vet end up qualifying from Madrid
1: so it's uh quite an interesting story so when I was 15 um I was living in Los Angeles and I really um wanted to study abroad. So I, I chose At first I was going to go to Italy, but then I decided that Spain would probably be more practical, um, being that huge population in the world speaks Spanish and only one country speaks Italian. So I decided on Spain. Also I was totally obsessed with the Andalusian horses. So it was like my paradise land. So, um, yeah, I, I did my, um, finished my high school studies in Spain. And decided I wanted to also do my university in Spain. So yeah, I started actually, um, I started in León, which is kind of in the north of Spain. And then I I went to uh, finish my studies, uh, veterinary studies in Madrid.
0: And Madrid is, of course, a beautiful city as well.
1: Most certainly. So beautiful. Mm.
0: And as you say, it's a real skill. I think to pick up another language is... It's such a blessing, isn't it? And it opens the world even more for you. And particularly also in America, if you're in California, you know, the possibly the second language is, is, well, it probably definitely is Spanish, isn't it? That's spoken similarly in Florida, and places like that as well. So the U S is, is very multicultural, isn't it?
1: For sure. Yeah. The more languages, the better.
0: Yeah. Brilliant. So, um, practiced a little bit in in spain since you've qualified but i know you're also excited to to go back to america to uh be able to practice there as well
1: sure yeah so um actually so i was doing tons of practical work um before my university ended and um once i graduated i had to wait a year to get my citizenship in spain so in that time i decided to work in different american companies different business ventures Mm -hmm. um i gained tons of uh, business experience sales negotiations strategy marketing um communication so i'm I'm so thankful for all of that because it's not exactly something that's taught in vet school um so yeah i i just Mm -hmm. really took advantage of some uh, some great opportunities, but um, they weren't in the vet space, but I really missed being in the science and vet space. So Mm -hmm. I decided to um, see what things were of great interest to me. The vet salaries in Spain aren't um, very wonderful and competitive. So I was looking into other industries that um, worked with either veterinary products or pet food, since I have tons of business experience and um, yeah, I stumbled upon alternative proteins. I have a a very keen interest in uh, sustainability. So I just saw it as, you know, pet food is uh, replenishable. It's, uh, as far as a business model, it's it's a very interesting product. Um, And I just thought that, you know, um, something new and important uh, especially different improvements could be could be done in that space and are being done.
0: Yeah, no, I think it's really important and looking at plant-based alternative proteins, also fungi, you know, insects, it's perhaps worth us uh, starting off with plant-based ones. I know you're working also with some companies. At the beginning of this, probably a disclaimer, um, I have some shares in one of the insect protein uh, companies and it's fascinating to to see all the, the the kind of advantages but also some of the real tribulations that some of these companies are going through because although it sounds like a great idea then you actually hit the reality of it and they're perhaps not as easy as um, as we thought they would be perhaps we can start on the the plant-based you know the vegetarian then also vegan diets obviously with dogs and cats tell us a little bit about your thoughts on what are the potential advantages of them but also you know what are the limitations of some of these diets as well
1: sure sure so um i'm going to talk about two really keen advantages so Number one, um, we have tons, specifically dogs, with tons of allergies, tons of skin allergies, tons of GI upset. So a lot of these diets, these plant-based diets, um, use novel proteins from plant sources, uh, whether it be, well, yeast is kind of in its, uh, another category, but it's a lot of times um, used in different plant-based formulations, um, proteins coming from rice, from peas, from soy, from wheat, from potatoes, so many different sources. So a lot of animals who have meat, dairy or egg allergies really do very well on these diets. And um, a lot of the, their either skin conditions or GI upset or you know, patients with IBD or also pancreatitis, really a lot of them see a huge improvement in their symptoms.
0: I was talking to somebody at the London Vet show about a a dog with furunculosis. Nobody could treat it, you know, even the dermatologists and actually changing it from a, you know, a hypoallergenic type diet over to a plant based diet had actually made a huge improvement for this, uh, for this dog. So um, certainly things like dermatology and often I found in my dermatology practice, if the animal was food allergic, one of the first, easy symptoms I would know that perhaps it was food allergic was that when I put it on a hypoallergenic diet within the first week the actual quality of the feces had improved now the skin hadn't improved but actually the feces quality was often an indicator that I was on the right line so that the two things you know basically intestine is just an invagination of the skin isn't it
1: totally a hundred percent yeah I mean a lot of times um, you know, every case is different. Um, so a lot of times people will have to try different formulations. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, it's really a great tool that we have in our toolbox to use. Also, a lot of these formulations have a lot of fiber. So also, um, you know, one, another huge issue that we face is obesity, so a lot of these formulations are quite satiating obviously you have to check each formulation and to see also the the calorie content um the energy content of of the formulation but a lot of them are quite high in fiber so it's definitely more satiating and for our our friends our furry friends who might not get as much exercise or live more sedentary lifestyles that's definitely something that's that's on our side
0: yeah i mean obesity is a huge problem isn't it and uh, it seems although there's been obesity diets for such a long time it's still an increasing problem both in the human population but also in the animal population and often when you see a animal that's overweight and then often the owners are overweight as well aren't they so it's the diet is part but it's also educational it was something i was very passionate about even as a student i used to be giving out um, obesity type diets, but you need, as well as the diet, you need the education side as well, don't you?
1: Sure, a hundred percent. And another and another point I wanted to bring up, one of the huge advantages as well, um, is consumer behavior. So we're seeing huge, a huge wave of consumers that are adopting more plant-based diets, mm. even if it's not a completely plant-based diets, um, more consumers are adding more plant-based foods into their diets, yeah. um, which is which is wonderful, has a lot of health benefits. So you know consumers constantly um, are humanizing their animals. So a lot of times you're not marketing necessarily to a consumer who wants the best thing for their dog and has veterinary knowledge or you know what's good for the animal quote unquote knowledge but something that sounds tasty to them. I mean, I see tons of formulations that I, hear, I read them and they just sound so delicious. And at the end of the day, that's, that's who's buying these foods for their yeah. pets.
0: So obviously we're talking about plant-based diets, but obviously there's a difference between vegetarian and vegan. And often yeah. people are wanting to feed their dogs or their cats a vegetarian or vegan diet because of their own, Uh, attitudes towards eating meat um, or eating you know um, eggs and dairy and so on. Is there a worry with some of these diets that they will be deficient though in certain nutrients? Obviously we talk about taurine in cats you know we talk about Mm cats certainly when I was at veterinary school being obligate carnivores in other words they had to eat meat to to survive and if we stop their meat then there would be deficiencies that would develop so do you think it's possible to have a vegan or vegetarian diet for for cats as well
1: so actually there is um an interesting study that came out recently um that was talking about this exact subject Mm -hmm. um and was mentioning how if properly supplemented um you know with with taurine supplement that cats should be fine on a vegan diet um obviously i think it's it's wise to be still quite cautious um and maybe to to start mixing you know half and half um you know non-vegan with the vegan food um but i think that at the end of the day you know the food industry is so advanced food science is so advanced um we've been able to supplement so many different things at the end of the day um, if the molecule is there, it yeah. shouldn't be a problem. And, and if, you know, in, in laboratories, they do tons of testing as far as bioavailability and whatnot. So, um, you know, I think, I think we've come a long way as far as um, what we're able to do with, with different formulations.
0: And of course, we now are at the point where we can ethically um, produce a product that is like beef, but isn't beef you know, that has actually been produced in the laboratory, Sure. Uh, obviously, you know, without animals being involved. Do you see those as becoming products that might get involved in the alternative protein uh, pet food industry?
1: Sure, so cultivated meat, it, there was actually a recent approval um, for it to start its um, new adventure in uh, pet food in Europe. So, um, So yeah, regulation was passed. And um, cultivated meat is going to be allowed in pet food in Europe. Um, definitely, there are tons of scalability issues as far as um, cultured meat. Mm. And yeah, it's definitely going to be uh, a long road to really achieving um, Price parity with other things on the market, other ingredients in the market, but I definitely think, as far as a sustainability standpoint, it is very interesting, especially if using um, renewable energy as an energy source. Um, but definitely, I mean the the land usage, the water usage, um, the you know the feed usage. Um, there are so many benefits of um, cultured meat. So Hmm. I'm very, very excited and optimistic. Technologies are constantly, there's so much capital being invested in in cultured meat, both for humans and animals. So um, I definitely think that, um, that it's gonna be something very interesting in the future.
0: Hmm. I like that. I, I hadn't heard that before. That's why I was struggling for the word cultured or cultivated meat. I will remember that for future reference. The the other problem, you know, obviously I moving over to fungal uh, diets as well, fungi diets. Obviously, I I eat quite a lot of corn, which is a uh, human product in in the UK. Uh, I make a very mean spaghetti bolognese, okay. Lauren, and uh, people still think it's meat. I don't tell them; they don't <laughs> know unless they've come a few times and they go, "Oh, it's spaghetti bolognese without the meat in it." <laughs> and and some of my friends can be a bit disappointed but part of the other worry I have is that we're always being encouraged to move away from ultra processed foods you know a lot of the food we eat is loaded with sugar salt etc whereas if we eat pure food that we kind of you know uh, actually cook ourselves we know exactly what's in it what, what what's your thoughts on um some of the more processed type foods um of which I would guess corn is one. Is that something that we should be worried about, you know, foods that are over processed? Or is am I conflating two things? And actually, they're not true. So where would you place some of the um, some of the sort of, you know, fungal type foods, I suppose?
1: Sure. I mean, great point you bring up. It's One of the most debated um, arguments specifically in the the food industry, Um, I think that a lot of it comes from studies that were done um, linking obesity to a lot of ultra-processed foods. Mm -hmm. However, bear in mind that a lot of ultra-processed foods that were being, um, I mean, a lot of ultra-processed foods in general are super high in fat, high in sugar, high in, um, just a lot of refined ingredients that, you know, uh, we know sugar, fat, and salt is like a bomb for the brain as far as its addictive properties. super easy to keep eating. Um, so, so I think that, that, um, it's just kind of stuck in everyone's brain, like, oh, ultra process equals, you know, higher risk of obesity and a lot of diseases related to obesity. Mm -hmm. Um. So I think, I think it's really important to understand that not all ultra-processed foods are necessarily um, linked to obesity. I mean, there, there are tons of ultra-processed foods. For example, baby formulas is, is pretty processed. Um, you know, vitamins are pretty processed. There are tons of different, you know, or, you know, energy bars are pretty processed. I'm not saying to live off of energy bars, but I mean, they definitely serve a purpose for, you know, athletes or, or even, you know, if you're going on a, you know, you go hiking every weekend, you're not going to bring your own, a mini fridge with you. So yeah. I think that um, it's important to really, before generalizing, really understand. I mean, most, mind you, most kibble is pretty ultra processed. Um, so I think that it's important to, instead of, um, just having this blanket idea over what ultra process is and means and and the consequences, um, really also kind of ask questions and, and research because there are a lot of benefits that, um, you know, processed foods can bring, you know, they can be more shelf stable. Um, they are just more sustainable. We can't just Everyone in the world can't live off of totally fresh foods because it's just yeah. it's just not realistic. And another huge benefit is that we can add a lot of nutrients into mm. these foods, um, be it fiber, be it protein, be it healthy fats, be it um, micronutrients that otherwise we might not get.
0: Yeah, fantastic. So maybe discussing sp- specifically f- Fungi foods, do you see those as being something that will also come in or I'm not aware, but obviously I'm not an expert in the area as some of these fungal based foods starting to come into the um, pet industry, the pet food industry?
1: Sure. So little by little, I've seen different companies working on formulations. Um, so the great thing about um, fungi and specifically mycelium, which is the mushroom root, is that it has a very similar texture to meat fibers. So it's being, I mean, there's huge uh, growth as far as human food because the the fungi and also the mycelium really takes up flavor and other you know whether it's um you know natural food dyes to make it look a different color or more similar to meat um it's it's a really great functional ingredient and also has a great amino acid profile so it's a very functional and nutrition and nut- nutritious um food source so i think that definitely there is um especially for like maybe more fresh foods for dogs um or even cats i mean it's it's still you know needs to be researched more um but kind of you know wet foods or kind of you know the the more fresh um i don't want to say raw but you know uh, pre-cooked foods i think it has a lot of potential and it's also pretty cheap to make which is obviously very important (laughs) did you know the webinar that Virtual veterinary Congress is back for 2024. Starting on the 5th of February, we have 10 hours of continuing education with speakers such as Sarah Heath, John Chitty, and Samantha Saintless and many, many more. We'd love to see you there. And um, if you'd like to get involved again this year, or if you'd like to join us for the go that time, please click the link in the description below to find out more.
0: Yeah, moving on. You know maybe from fungal based diets to insect based diets one of their big problems is of course they're very expensive very there is that opportunity i think also with plant-based diets as we've already discussed um to use these as novel proteins for dermatology and and um and gastrointestinal problems but where do you see insects fitting in, you know, I saw them, and the reason I invested in one of the companies was that very much as a circular product, sure. you know, a lot of waste food, you know, a third of our food is wasted. We need to get better at that in, you know, in the world because obviously that's why we say we can't feed everybody whereas actually we can, we just don't distribute very well. Um, so how do you see insects fitting in there? You know, I know there's a lot of laws now that actually the food that you feed the insects is quite limited. So do we need to change law? Do we need to, you know, accept that uh, insects can be a great way of getting rid of waste, obviously creating a diet that we can then feed to animals? Uh, I know a lot of insect foods are fed to fish, for example, you know, mm-hmm. uh, in a commercial setting. Um we have a, a program on in uh, England called uh, who wants to be in the jungle or I can't remember because I never watch it but people then are eating insects in 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 that as well although I think there are some welfare issues there but insects obviously could potentially be you know part of people's diets because protein is an important source for all of us to live We be we humans or animals isn't it so where do you see insects fitting into this uh, or do you not see a, a role for them?
1: I definitely, I do. Um, I think it's a very interesting source of protein. Um, definitely, they are easy vectors of different diseases. So so that is a consideration. Mm. Um, so that definitely needs to be... Um, always, you know, you, you always have to stay on top of that and make sure that they're not vectoring any diseases. And I definitely think that the, the quality of the protein and the fats um, that we get from insects are very good. So the main insect companies that I've been working with the the main insects they use are um, mealworms, black soldier flies, um, mm. fruit flies, and um, crickets. So the protein is very good, like I said, and and so is the fat, which is which is very important. However, um, supply chain and su- sustainability of the of the supply of the product is definitely um, a challenge right now. So different companies are, are trying to scale up and, and seeing how they can su- successfully scale up. So I think that the quality of the product is is wonderful. Um, as far as uh, nutrition profile goes. However, you know, cost is cost is king. And if it's not cost effective, I mean it's it's not very realistic. And and as you said, a lot of um, insects are used in fish food, also in a lot of um, bird food, whether it be, uh, you know, chick- like um, birds for for our food consumption. Or you know other types of birds, you know zoos or whatnot. Mm. So so there are a lot of different outlets that when I've talked to a lot of these companies in the process of scaling up for the production of of pet food, um, they're really tapping into some of the other industries to help them be able to scale up to that next level. And then another thing, very interesting and uh, important consideration, is just the consumer uh, acceptance of insect. Protein. I mean, whether you like it or not, a lot of people are going to think that there's going to be, you know, insects popping out of the of the bag, mm-hmm. and um, a little weary as far as that. So, um, you know, with a lot of um, consumer education, and also having the vet also be educated and and explain some of the benefits to to different clients I think that could definitely um that that is definitely a key part of the strategy and its success.
0: Mm, I'm definitely one of their um customers because uh, of course I buy buy mealworms for the birds the garden birds in my garden and and actually the hedgehogs are very addicted to it as well so they,
1: oh, wow. they will have
0: a, a go at the uh at the mealworms as well so it's it's definitely an interesting area and You know, I'm very interested in circularity. I remember that I was listening to um, somebody recently talking about a data center, and obviously people think that virtual companies, digital companies don't have a carbon footprint. But of course, if you're storing information in the cloud, there are these huge data centers that produce huge amounts of heat from all of the information that they store. They need aircon to cool their plants down. And this particular company was quite close to a local council-run swimming pool, and they were actually able to export the heat to the swimming pool to actually uh, heat the swimming pool. Obviously, in these times of uh, the cost of energy and so on, this was a huge uh, boon for the council as well. And I think we need to look at more of these circularity situations. So can we have an insect farm close to somewhere where obviously excess food is being taken or whatever, um, because to me, if we're having to feed really high grade food to the insects, then it rather misses the point of why we're doing it in the first place. So that's kind of a, a quandary that I think we need to, to sort out, which I'm sure we can, uh, but there needs to be that will. And that would of course bring prices down as well, wouldn't it?
1: Sure. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, it's a really ideal situation and there are so many wonderful people working mm-hmm. on solutions, Um, so definitely, definitely since, since we're ingesting these products, or in this case, our pets are ingesting these products, um, definitely, you know, there are extra considerations as far as, you know, health considerations, Mm -hmm. um, at least a lot of the food grade for uh, the, the pet food grade is not as strict as Mm -hmm. for human consumption. So that is... Uh, a little bit of a help um however still yeah there there, there's a lot of um of talks trying to again really improve um the circularity of 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 food in general in in this space
0: great lauren i've really enjoyed chatting to you It, it is an area that uh is fast developing it was fascinating at london vet show talking to some companies that are in this space as a conservative profession we can poo poo it and we can say well actually this is the way we've always done things and this is the way we will always do things but i think it you know particularly here at webinar we're an innovative company we want to be continuing to push the envelope and, and see what the next thing is uh, and these as you say from consumers are being driven as well it's definitely an area that we need to to look at so thank you for educating me and, and hopefully the audience listening as well.
1: Sure, sure, yeah, and uh, one last point is that I think um, I work with a lot of companies specifically as far as um, marketing strategy, branding, and, and just sales and how to really get their product, mm-hmm. you know, into the hands of consumers in a very successful way yeah. and grow their customer base. Um, and so one thing I work with a lot of these companies in is um, just really teaming up with veterinarians because at the end of the day, clients, Sure, they they see ads and uh, they might see these great ads for pet foods, or they know so and so who feeds their dog this and swears by it. But at the end of the day, you know, um, people do have very tight relationships with their with their veterinarians. So really, it's so important to get veterinarians on board. And I help a lot of these companies really work closely with veterinarians um, to really not just educate them but just make it easier for them to accept these new these new products giving free samples giving you know test um different you know like a a week free trial Mm. um you just need a you need to lower any kind of possible resistance and again you know um speaking to the points that are important to veterinarians when you need to, and speaking to the points to clients when you need to. So anything that these companies can do, I, I look at what any, what these companies can do to really help both of those groups, because it is such a wonderful solution um, for many different reasons. And not only, you know, to help pets, but it's, it's a huge um, category that's being demanded by consumers. So, you know, you need to work with the consumer to give them a product that they want. I mean, um, there's a big company, Carrie's a big uh, food ingredient company, and they state on their website that according to their their um, data, the plant-based pet food industry will grow. It's right now at 26 billion. It will grow um, from now until 2032 to I think... 57 million I mean 57 billion sorry about that so more than doubling yes um, by 2032 so this is a very important trend that we need to get on board with and that also affects you know a lot of people are buying food from uh from chewy and, and a lot of different on, online retailers yeah. but still there are a lot of vet clinics that are selling pet food and when someone goes to the vet and they have no idea of what to do with their pet you know that's a some extra income that vets can make so if mm. they have these sample packs and these these food packs at their clinics you know it's another great source of income mm.
0: Yeah, just maybe one final one, which I thought of. Obviously, we do do a bit of work with Royal Cannon, but one of their products which I really uh, enjoyed, you know, helping them with was uh, when they when they launched it, was the uh, Allergenic Diet, which, of course, is made of chicken feathers, which, again, is a circularity product. You know, this where would we put this previously? But hydrolyzed down into small pieces.
1: Sure. You know,
0: it's a great diet for... Or doing food trials and so on um and again you know we're, we're reducing waste which i think is is an important area if, if you're into sustainability as as we both are for sure lauren thank you so much thanks everyone for listening this has been another episode of vet chat the uk's number one veterinary podcast looking forward to seeing you on another episode very soon bye